At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Captains, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom of Robots. And I'm here with a whole host of our captains, our shepherds, our captains, Shepard. I'll have you know that uh, Shepard never actually made it to the rank of captain. Well, these are different captains of different ships. They are flying their own ships into our space for our show, which we are hosting right now, my friend Sam, because we're all gathering together. To talk about our headcanon. This is my headcanon for our show. Do you see what I did there? Oh, okay. I'm following along. We've all congregated in our own little little space here around our our little hub of our little show. They've all flown in on their own little ships. They're all commanding their their own ships. They're all their own little captains flying their own ships in, right? This is my little headcanon. This is why we're all gathered together. They took their little mass relays from their own little corners of the galaxy, just kind of all gathered together. Well, this brings up a good point because, you know, while this is the patron chat for the month of March and we are focusing on headcanons, perhaps we should define what exactly that is for our listeners. That's probably a good idea. So, yeah, welcome back. I'm Tom of Robots. This is this is Sam and Seven Legend. If you haven't tuned in before, and this happens to be a patron episode where we have a bunch of our patrons. This is like our favorite episode every month where at the end of the month we talk with our patrons and we talk about stuff. In this episode, we're talking about headcanon. So what what is headcanon, Sam? So I think the easiest way to describe it is have you ever played a game or yes. watched a movie? Yes. And... Both to both so, of those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. This is a great starting point then. Um, cool. So basically, if you've ever played a game and watched yes. a movie. Yes. 
And you found yourself at a point where you were imagining parts of the story that didn't actually happen, but given what you saw, you just kind of like to imagine that it happened that way. Mm-hmm. All the time. That That's a headcanon. Yes. Cool. Okay. So you're telling me that these people with us right now all have imaginary versions of the Mass Effect games, like up in those noggins of theirs? You know, it might be hard to believe, uh, but the Mass Effect fandom is pretty creative. And what? we all we all have these different parts of the game that we view differently, depending on our choices. So because of those permutations of choices, I think a lot of people's head cannons can vary to a very uh, great degree. A very, very great degree, huh? They vary, a very, very great degree. Very, very much. Okay, so, but here, why don't we, why don't we go through and introduce everybody. We're going to welcome each of them to the show, and then we're going to give everybody a chance to share some of their head cannons. I bet some of them are pretty mundane and others are pretty crazy so let's get to it we've i'm just going to go down the list here we've got genesis joining us again jen welcome to the show hello 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 how's it going i'm doing good today i'm having fun that's wonderful are you ready to talk about headcanon i am and not cannons pointed at people's heads that's it's not a very different topic exactly yes Awesome. Welcome back. And then we also have Mighty Talos joining us for the first time. Mighty Talos, welcome. How's it going? Thank you. I'm doing uh, very, very good. And uh, I'm happy to be here for the first time. And hopefully not the last. So, uh, yeah, let's see where this goes. Awesome. I'm looking forward to your uh, your your headcanon here. Welcome to the show again. And then we also have Cloudy Atlas joining us. Cloudy Atlas, is your headcanon loaded and ready? Yeah, in a sense. <laughs> good, good. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> Welcome back. And my Meiji Moose, I almost mispronounced your name, but that's because my glasses are funny because of the whole reading part down at the bottom, which makes things blurry when I'm not looking at things correctly. Welcome back, buddy. How's it going? Thanks, old man Tom. Old man Tom. <laughs> old man Tom. Welcome back to my, my uh, show. I've been I've been told that I give great headcanon, so we'll we'll see if that pans out tonight. Mm. Who gave you that compliment? Everybody. Wow. That is the right answer. And then we have Apollo joining us again. Apollo, welcome back. Hello, good to be back. Do you also give good headcanon? I don't know about that. We'll oh, see. Oh, we'll that's, see. that's unfortunate. Oh, <laughs> Major Moose seems to be very confident about that. Um, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> and then Psych is joining us again. Psych, welcome back. Oh, Psych is muted. There oh, there we go. Hi, uh, Psych. Happy to be here. Welcome back. Uh, you might want to turn your volume up a little bit. You're kind of quiet. But uh, yeah, he's going to work on that. And then we're going to get Mike. Mike is back as well. How you doing? Good evening. I I'm a solipsist, so actually I don't have head cannon. Every everything that's in my head is true, and that's the only reality. Cool. Well, hopefully you can uh, fill us in on actual reality then. I just realized we went from psych to Mike, so we're psych and Mike in the morning. No, psych <laughs> and Mike in the morning. <laughs> and then we've got Turbo Toboggan joining us. Turbo. Welcome back, buddy. Hi. <laughs> hey, man. How's it going? Fine. Cool. I miss Cyberpunk. 
Oh, yeah. We're going to get, hey, I posted a thing. We'll get back together later this week. Um, but anyway, we're talking about Mass Effect again and headcanon. Who wants to start us off? We've got, we've got, who who has the most mundane? Oh, we've got, we've got Turbo Toboggan. I'm just joking when I say most mundane thing, because the, the, the host thing to do is like, who's got the craziest headcanon idea? You know, like, so I'm, I'm trying to not do that. So I'm be like, who has the most mundane theory about Mass Effect and who wants to share it? But of course, that is not exciting at all, which is the joke. But it doesn't actually, it's not funny. So that's why I'm doing it. But anyway, Turbo Toboggan. You want to start us off? Yeah, I don't know if it's mundane, but... Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be mundane. That's, that's the joke. But go um, ahead. Share what you got. One of my headcans, uh, uh, is like when... Uh, um, get, uh, you know when Garrus is talking about the the uh, the I forget uh, her name the other uh c- cadet and stuff when they're training. Okay, I don't think she has a name. She doesn't have a name. Um, do, I I can't remember. It's just it, it, it's in my head, can but he also doesn't he also say something like that about Shepard too. Can't tell if that's head can I have a head cannon, but in my head, uh, when he's actually saying that he wasn't, uh, uh, he, he was actually being literal and stuff. I, and, but when hmm. he was saying what, like, what was he saying? Uh, I had reached, she had flexibility. They were doing Agneta, um, like she had flexibility. I had reach. Um, so uh, are you saying that are you saying that Garrus was purposefully being suggestive to Shepard? Oh, well, I know he's doing that, but in my head, Ken, since I was young and I, I still like it that he was not being. Oh, uh, they, he's just being completely serious. Like she, like he was just talking about fighting. I, I I'm following oh. now. Okay, okay. Like like oh. Garrus did not mean like we now as adult coming across, it, you know that he means. Uh, There's innuendo uh, there private time right it's in, like in as an adult you, there's obviously innuendo but as yeah a, but as a child you were like no it was just being like a, it was just a literal description about his physical fighting, ability yeah, while fighting right yeah or their physical so, abilities yeah and I, and I still like that headcanon just like garris it just it, garris was completely serious he was not but now as an adult i realized that but i still like it like my headcanon is that garris was not talking about sex he was just completely serious <laughs> okay. Well, at least when he's talking to male shepherd, if it's female shepherd, because then you can romance them. It, um, and the headcanon changes. Just depends on the character. But it, I like uh, uh. my favorite part of it is it just being completely serious. I see. Okay, so so when it's a male shepherd, he's just being literal. Yeah, literal. about fighting it, ability. Not re- yeah, not realizing that what he's saying in human terms would mean. Right. Right, right, and when it's like a that female cultural... shepherd, he's he's using innuendo in order to flirt. Yeah, because Garrus is suave like that. Because Garrus is see, suave like I that. I can see an added layer onto this that would make this more plausible. About because the the Omni tool is what's responsible for translating everything yeah. between alien languages and and humans, and so the Omni tool isn't always spot on. Sometimes it doesn't catch things, and that's canon. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. So it, when you're when you're talking about things that, that could be innuendo, I could very well see that the Omni tool 
translates something that to a human might sound pretty suggestive, but to a Turian from their rigid and very stratified culture was meant literally. Yeah. <laughs> so that like, like that's where it came from. And as I came in, like cause I started this as a kid, but now as an adult, I'm realized, Oh, but that was my head cannon for like for a long time and stuff. I gotcha. I gotcha. Did anyone else, when they heard that, did it not click as innuendo? Did you just take it literally? Or did did everybody just go, yeah, that's clearly innuendo? I mean, I was in my 30s when I first heard the line, so no, I fully heard it as innuendo. You totally, well, you do, the, the other show you do is about this kind of thing, so yes, I would imagine that. Um, but did anyone else, was anyone else just like, yeah, she's just talking fighting styles? You know, I was, I was, um, how old was I? I was, I think I was, uh, 16. So definitely not. <laughs> so, so I was 16. My mind was preoccupied with one thing for a lot of the time. Um, my, my hormone levels were off the scale at the time. So yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was already there before Garrus was. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cute. The whole, like, depending on how old you were at the time when you heard the line, your perception of it was completely different. That's funny. That's really funny. Um, but I also like the the nuance of like, well, if you're talking to a male shepherd or you're talking to a female shepherd, depending on Garrus's perspective of like, if there's a romanceable option there or not for him. Um, that's funny. Well, cool one. Yeah, cause, that's cool. Because I because the reason I was thinking this, because sometimes I say that, like, I'll say something to like my dude friends and not even be thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. It depends because it, it kind of go, not. I don't know if this. I don't. I don't want this to come across sexist, but d- depending on where you come across, come across when your groups in some of the stuff you say, you don't mean it as. Oh, totally. Because intent, uh, intent is is a hundred percent behind the words, right? Like the same words have different meaning depending on the intent of the the way you're saying it and who you're saying it to. So if you are attracted, even if it's not guy girl issues, if you're attracted to somebody and you're trying to say something in a certain way, then the, the intent is going to have a lot to do with it. And if there, if you're not and you're not trying to put something in there, somebody else could completely interpret it the wrong way simply because those words were included. Right. But you may not have meant it at all, but somebody else might misinterpret that. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, right. It's the difference between, hey, Tom, you want to grab a beer later? And hey, Tom. You want to grab a beer later? Right. But if I'm like, if I think that that person is trying to hit on me, I could misinterpret that even without the nuance in, in your voice. Right. Like if I'm, if I'm afraid that you're hitting on me, I might go, Oh, they asked me out for a beer. Uh, I think they might be into me, you know, like there's so much nuance there that between all of those things. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. If you think about all of that. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. All right, who wants to go next? Well, I can follow that up because I too have a Garrus head cannon. Okay. Um. Oh, Meiji, you raised your hand. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um. But so this one actually started with Ravada, uh, because her friend told it to her, and then I fully incorporated it into my brain. Um. 
In part of Mass Effect 3 in the Citadel DLC, a romanced Garrus will take a female Shepard on a date to a dance club. Uh, So Shepard is notorious for not being able to dance. So while the scene could have been hilarious, Garrus is the perfect dance partner and shows her how to tango. But how did Garrus learn how to flawlessly execute a human dance? Well, his best bro on the Normandy taught him. That's how. There are several reasons that I believe James Vega and Garrus Sukarian are best buds. So I canonize that in the shuttle bay, Vega teaches Garrus how to tango. He's light on his feet, proven in the boxing scene. He knows how to woo the ladies, proven in a few different conversations. And I could actually see the Latin, not actually a lover, know how to tango. So now I want you to picture how that would look. Uh-huh. Garrus dipping Vega uh-huh. and Vega doing the leg curls while trying not to get clipped on the Turian leg spikes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's adorable. Okay, it's so, funny. I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. I've got so many thoughts. About this. <laughs> All right, do you have more? Uh, oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's adorable. It's funny. It fits both their personality types. And that's why Vega is at the bar. He's watching to make sure that G-Man remembers the removes and is waiting to see if the plan works and if Garrus gets his girl. Yes. Okay. So I've mentioned this before. Um, I, I personally have a background in, um, uh, doing the Lindy hop and other vintage styles of dancing, like partner dancing. This is something I've done for like 20 years now. It's, it's something I, I teach on occasion. I've competed in it. I've DJed like, this is something that I'm fairly proficient in. It's how, it's how I met my wife. It's something that I've done for a while. Okay. When you teach dance off, especially partner dances, especially things like tango. Tango is actually a complex dance. There are, there are more simplified dances and then there are what I would consider second or third tier level dances. Something like tango is like a second or third level tier dance. It's something that uses a lot of counter body balance and movement where there's a, there's a very strong lead follow dynamic. So that like, like when the lead, when the person doing the lead movement, which is usually the male uh, moves, they they move their body in a way that also moves the f- the follow's body and the follow has to respond and move and counterbalance to that so there's a lot of this movement counter movement balance counterbalance happening um mm-hmm. which means that these two would have spent for 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 Garrus to get good enough as a lead to lead Shepard in this dance when Shepard wasn't good at dancing to move Shepard in a way where Shepard could actually dance this without a lot of instruction to actually place Shepard's weight on the right foot and to actually move Shepard around without having a lot of instruction would mean that Vega and Garrus must have spent hours practicing this together where they well one vega must have been a a hell of an instructor two a damn good follow and a good lead and three they must have spent hundreds of hours practicing which is hilarious to think about (laughs) the two of them maybe cortez helped out too because he hangs out in the same area so now it's the three of them working together to make this work like look and and tango is a very sensual dance like these vintage dances like vintage jazz dances tend to be kind of silly and fun tango 
is is like sensual so i'm getting these very like like sensual looks between garris and vega Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like Dun. and then he's like like where they're like promenading each other and then like turning and like and this just becomes an amazing image in my head of doing this like every day for hours and hours and hours in their spare time this is an amazing theory i love this it's literally all their time that they're not on the missions with shepherd yes Yes. The amount of time that this actually takes. And this is one of those things that people don't realize when they like someone goes to like, I want to learn how to dance partner dance for my wedding. And they're like, can I just go take a lesson? And it's like, oh, oh, my God, just shoot me right now. Like, no, no, this is something you practice for years. Like, this is like, do I just can I just go take a lesson in ballet? Well, Yeah. Okay. sure. Can I take a lesson in tennis? Yeah. Great. Yeah. A lesson in tennis. Right. No, this takes hours and hours. I love this. This is an amazing theory. I know that took a while to explain, but that's just how amazing this theory is. I don't know. Anybody else have any thoughts on this? I can I can provide some context also uh, because I was taking lessons with my girlfriend uh, because she said, you know, I want to learn how to tango. And I was like, oh, boy you know, here we go. Uh, it's quite the undertaking. So we went to a local dance studio and we took like months of lessons and um, several hundred dollars later. And how far did you get in months of lessons? I don't know how to tango. <laughs> it's it's hard. It takes it's, a lot of work. There are there are a lot of uh, building blocks that you need to learn to set, to, to set up to set up to even get to learn how to tango. And uh, so when you're entering uh, tango lessons with no dance experience whatsoever, like Garris is, yeah, it's not going to be short. Like he would have had to have fucking grinded <laughs> this learning in, like day years. in, day out. We're talking years. This is like to get to the level that he can lead Shepard in this dance would have taken years without any previous dance knowledge. Real okay. Quick. Well, I maybe love that this. is a little too much because they only have like six months together. Oh, they could have grinded it out day in and day out, not like a weekly lesson, but daily lessons for six months and gotten to that point. It, it's possible, especially what somebody with at? physical training, like military training and physical awareness, like somebody who has like athletic physical awareness that that really definitely helps. Um, like it's possible. It's not it's not impossible. It just means that they are practicing every day in their spare time which is so awesome if you'd like if you'd like some uh more evidence for how possible this is so if you look up uh vega's background it says that he used to be stationed at a earth uh marine base called camp pendleton which is a real marine corps base in uh san diego which is not far from me i have had to drive through it many many times uh, and I just uh, did a quick Google map search and there are multiple places to get tango lessons within five minutes of uh, Camp Pendleton. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. San Diego for sure. Yeah. No, this is another awesome. layer to the story. Head cannon is no longer head cannon. It is actual cannon. Has anyone seen the musical Rent? <laughs> I'm just imagining uh, tank, the Tango Maureen, but it's Vega and Garrus. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> That's oh, a Ricky, reference for about 5% of the, obvi- <laughs> the audience. 
That's amazing. Somebody needs to like make a like machinima of this and take their character models and like place it over top of like like you know the bodies of like the characters from the rent movie and like have machinima. Them, like, There's a word I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> it's possible you could do it if somebody had the right like movie you know 3d effects stuff but this is great this is a really cool idea jen i really like this anyone else want to chime in before we move on i must not be very cultured because the only thing that pops into my head with the guy teaching a guy dancing is from american wedding where you have stifler teaching jim how to dance in a gym (laughs) hmm yeah i think think more like two men like pretending to romantically hold each other close sure (laughs) pretending yeah because that's the thing about like these every dance has its like own like mood and feeling and tango is like a very serious and romantic kind of mood and you can't just do tango by stepping through you have to be like in the persona of it like you have to feel it you know that just makes it all so much better I do have something to say because Genesis, I'm so sorry, but I just realized an enormous flaw with this headcanon. It's impossible because if that had happened, then James Vega would have fallen madly in love with Garrus Vicarian. Who said that he hasn't? We just didn't find out. That, that's true. I just don't, I, I can't imagine that you could go through that experience without falling in love with Garrus. So <laughs> I guess, so I guess it's not impossible. But I'm just saying there's, there's more research to be done. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that Vega is so resistant to Fimship hitting on Vega? On, <laughs> His heart is already taken. You've given me a lot to think about. Oof, oof. What if in Mass Effect 4 we find out that all of these complications are are true? All right. This is a good one, Jen. Who wants to go next? Meiji moves. I have to go right now because I feel like if I don't, somebody's going to take it later in the session. So I'm going to steal it first. Okay. Indoctrination theory. It is canon, whether or not the writers want it to be. Discuss. (laughs) No, (laughs) just no, just no. But what, what does that mean though? Does that mean that like you believe it's canon? So therefore it has to be, or it means that no matter how the ending went, that still is true. Like what is. So I guess it kind of depends on how you uh, like analyze the art that you intake Um, is the artist's interpretation of their own art. The only valid interpretation. I gotcha. I gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Is is art right? I got you. Is the intentionality like if, if I, of the artist more important than the um, the view of the viewer of the art? Like the Or just or just what we see on screen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um if everyone can see something and it makes it it's it's just so clear as day, but the artist didn't quite intend for it to be interpreted that way, you know, whose whose interpretation is valid? at that point Mm. Mm. this is very philosophical Sam do you have thoughts on this I feel like you do I do Um, (laughs) so 
first of all, I want to I want to reiterate that these are head cannons, right? So I know that I know some people might say, uh, well, the uh, the indoctrination theory was already explicitly discounted by developers, but uh, this is a head cannon. So I, I for me, I would say uh, I also subscribe to the indoctrination theory as a head cannon. Because there's just so many things that don't add up. So many things. Specifically with the star child, like my, my largest thing is once I get there, once I get to the very end of Mass Effect 3 and I've fought through everything and then, you know, obvious spoilers alert, uh, you know, you get up to the platform for somehow Anderson is there uh, and somehow uh, the elusive man is also there. And then the Anderson dies and then you go up to the, you go up the platform, you meet this star child. And now all of a sudden, uh, the star child's job is now my job. Excuse me. My responsibilities are not yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to finish your mission. So yeah, I, I, I could go on for hours about it. And I mean, fact, not to mention the fact that, you know, Shepard manages to survive Harbinger's death beam that no other character in the entire series has managed to survive. Uh, just, just a little suspicious, I guess you could say. A little bit suspicious. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that the child takes on the, the, the visage of, uh, of the face of guilt that Shepard feels for not being able to save them all. You know what I mean? That's the whole, I think that's the whole point of the recurring theme with this child in Mass Effect three is that this child just represents the guilt and the burden that Shepard is feeling throughout this war. Um, so when you get to the end, of course, the intelligence is going to try to guilt trip Shepard and hit him where it hurts uh, or hit her where it hurts in the uh, in the emotional centers of the brain. Because clearly the intelligence would not want Shepard to be thinking rationally. So it's all a fever dream. I don't think it's all a fever dream, but I, um, I don't know what made you think, but for me, I think that the moment, uh, where Shepard gets hit with the beam from then on, everything else is. Yeah, I, I, I uh, completely concur, Dr. N7. Um, I know that <laughs> Mass Effect fans in general are flipping sick of hearing about indoctrination theory. But to me, it'll always be canon. Any other thoughts? I'm really torn between how cool I think the indoctrination theory is with how vehemently opposed I am to the whole. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an 
anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The art, uh, the author is dead thing. I guess I have a lot of soul searching to do. That's all I'm saying. I don't really have anything. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> yeah, this could very, very quickly turn into an entire debate about that. Um, we could just go on about that topic the whole rest of the show if we wanted to. All right. Well, I'm sure you've given a lot of people things to think about here. And we'll be getting a lot of uh, letters about this, I'm sure. A lot of comments on the Discord and messages on Twitter. So, thanks. Thanks, Meiji Moose. Thumbs up. All right. Who wants to go next? Mighty Talos. Uh, yeah, so my theory, uh, well, not, not a theory, my, my headcanon is uh, probably one that is pretty popular too, is uh, that the Citadel DLC actually take place at the end of Mass Effect 3, once you decide uh, to take the destroy ending, where everybody is alive and everybody just party and... Yeah, it's just a nice, uh, heartwarming headcanon, uh, I think. Uh, and yeah, uh, that that's my headcanon. That's what I think when I play this DLC in Mass Effect 3. Okay. That's it. Okay. So the Citadel, D- Citadel DLC is after that, is, is what you're saying? Yeah, after Mass Effect 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack? I know that. Yeah. Jen likes that idea. Mm -hmm. There's a way that you can play out the missions. So that way the mission happens during the main part, then you go to the ending and then you have a reunion party with all of your friends at the end. And it just makes it feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the, yay, we did it. 
What do the rest of you guys think? Meiji? So correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there a way that um, I guess spoiler alert, a spoiler alert for this whole episode. Pretty, it's, pretty much. It's a um, lore cast. I mean, there's going to be spoilers all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Genesis. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. I know I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a way that your actual squad mates that you can take uh, with you on the mission can die if you didn't get enough war assets. Am I correct in thinking that? Yeah. So I guess in that world, it would kind of make it hard for the Citadel DLC that contains like all the squad mates that are alive up until that point. Um, considering that some of them can actually die in the, in the final mission. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that, that would break the continuity of it. Sure. But assuming that they all survive, then, then it could match up. Yeah, I mean, in my head canon, you know, uh, pretty much all my playthrough, I keep everyone alive always. Um, just, I just think it's the right thing to do. Uh, so it match up in my head canon uh, that the Citadel DSC take place uh, at the end of Mass Effect 3. Yeah, and I also play that way. So pretty much every playthrough that I do, I keep the Citadel party for the very end. And then I will, and of course, everyone knows my preferred ending is the destroy ending. Uh, but no matter what ending I'm going to choose, I'm going to keep that party for the very end and then be like, I'm just going to try to willfully forget about a lot of the details uh, because I'd rather have a happy ending where we all, you know, can come together, uh, have a loud party and then take a, take a wonderful photo of us and the crew. And then, you know, that's that's it. Everyone lived happily ever after. Well, that's just so nice. That's just a, a, such a nice way to end this this series. You know, it's just so nice. Wait, wait. I just remembered something. And Mighty Talos, I do not mean to destroy your head cannon at all right now because this is lovely stuff. But at the end of the Citadel DLC, there's a scene where you're going back to the Normandy, and your love interest basically is like, "Hey, I know we just." Uh, we just had a lot of fun and whatnot, but um, we still got some Reapers to kill, like basically is the gist of the conversation, which seems to suggest that the next thing would be... Ignore one line, Beiji. Let the happy people be happy. Ignore, the, one Ignore the tiny one little line. Maybe it's just an inside joke between your love interests. Every time they go back to the Normandy, they yeah. say, we have Reapers to kill. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have some reapers still to kill. <laughs> that's a good joke. No, I mean that that that's fine. That's uh, I usually dismiss it. Whatever uh, the my love interest is, I usually just dismiss it and just keep playing the game. But yeah, it, it does, you know, take take away the uh, live happily after um, uh, thing. Maybe like a Turbo's comment, it's innuendo between you and your love interest. <laughs> Maybe it's a, hey, that was such a fun time we had at that party last night. Maybe we've got some more Reapers to kill. Hmm? Yeah. All right. So uh, this has been awesome so far. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll thank our patrons, you guys, and then we'll get to the rest of you and your headcanon. So we'll be right back. Message coming in. Patching it through. 
I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and thank you so much for everybody tuning in and everybody who is in the live chat. Thank you for being here. All of our patrons joining us for this episode, thank you guys for being here. And all 49 of our patrons who have helped to support us, who are current patrons on the Patreon, and our Tier 5 Shepherd-level patrons, Hool the Fool, Mighty Talos, Apollo, and Pipe Man. Thank you guys so much. You get shout-outs every week. And if you are... If you enjoy the show, you guys know the spiel. Go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast and check out all the different tiers. You can get all sorts of stuff on there, including t-shirts and joining us on future episodes just like this. And, you know, ad-free episodes and all sorts of other things. Um, I know that we're going to get some new t-shirts going out uh, soon-ish. So be aware. Those will be those will be uh, coming out again soon for the next the next set of those. Oh, look at that. Meiji Moose is holding his up. Oh, and Apollo's got his on. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And uh, so you guys know how all this stuff works. Um, we really do appreciate your support. It really does help me and Sam out with making this a, a big priority every week. And uh, also, we don't have any new reviews or new uh, new things to read. But if you'd like to help us out on Apple Podcasts, if you leave us a five-star rating and review, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. And you can also leave us a five-star rating on Spotify. So those are ways you can help us out or just tell your friends about the show. That That's also really helpful. We appreciate all the help that you guys give us because shows like this live or die based on their fan base. It genuinely is true. We do as much as we can in order to create a great show. But seriously, more than 50% of this being successful is based on you guys. And we really do appreciate it. So let's get back on talking with our patrons and headcanon and stuff. Here we go. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right. We've got four of you still left to share your headcanon. Cloudy, Apollo, Mike, and Psych in the morning. Who wants to go next? Oh, we've got Apollo and Mike. You guys have to play paper, rock, scissors in order to see who goes. With it. Ready? One, two, three. Throw. Oh, uh, well, Mike threw first, and then Apollo just kind of gave up. So I think Mike wins. Yeah, there's there's Zoom lag. Yeah, it's Zoom lag. So Mike, you win. Sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. So as long as we're talking about endings, uh, I have a, a weird kind of uh, uh, Schrodinger's cat uh, head cannon about the ending, where I think the I think the state of the universe kind of depends on whichever ending you choose. So I, I personally believe synthesis is the only real ending. Um, cause I think that the reapers were a test. So like a lot of, a lot of, I think, uh, issues people have with the game. And I know that I've talked about this a little bit before are about how, uh, like the ending doesn't make sense. Why are the reapers trying to like, them saying that they're going to preserve life by destroying it doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. It all comes down to conflict and like how, how we do or, or don't 
end up in conflict. So, like, I know you've talked before many times about the Fermi paradox. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that basically any civilization that is advanced enough to make something like nuclear weapons is going to destroy itself before it has the, like, social advancement to know not to do that. Um, and so I think that the Reapers exist because they they said there's always going to be conflict between uh, synthetics and organics, but they essentially uh, made a plan for, well, what if, what if we get to a point where we have a cycle where there isn't that conflict, where there is potential for, for understanding. And so they kind of give you, give you the tools to take that step towards essentially erasing conflict. Cause I think that after the synthesis ending, when like everybody understands each other, you wouldn't have that fear-based violent conflict uh, in the way that we have before. Okay. And so maybe, maybe you get presented with those three choices with synthesis being the only real option. And if Shepard were to choose uh, destroy or control, then the, that's the catalyst realizing, okay, maybe they weren't quite ready. Let's, let's wipe it and start another cycle. Right. So you're given a quiz with only one right answer. Right. And so unless he picks synthesis, it's basically like saying you failed the test. Mm-hmm. So if you do pick synthesis, then everything progresses the way you would expect it to. Yes. Interesting. What do you guys think? I'm in. I mean, that wasn't my headcanon for the show, but that is my headcanon as well. So, yeah, I'm in. Like, success, you are a mature enough galaxy, or at least there is some, but I mean, basically, you've now proven there is at least one person among all of the species of this galaxy that is mature enough to understand that this is the right answer. Right. I think it, so. If you pay attention to what people like, uh, Legion are saying, you know, th- there are so many conflicts that essentially boil down to two sides being unwilling to understand each other or unable to understand each other. Uh, and a lot of, uh, a lot of conflicts come up not only out of fear, but also out of that, uh, that, you know, very, very common, very human thing of, well, I need to put them down because if I was in their position, I would put me down, you know? So like, like they can't imagine anything other than violence, that, that kind of thing. Right. In order for me Uh, to achieve something, I have to put them down to climb on top of them rather than cooperating together in order to, to win. Yeah. uh, Like, and there's lots of scenarios that you can go through for that stuff. Um, Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Does anybody have any other thoughts on this? Anybody disagree? Sam? Well, Meiji? I will say that I, I, I won't like be adopting it as my personal headcanon, I don't think, but there is something so interesting about like it would take somebody who has just seen entire civilizations wiped out by the Reapers. Uh, it would take somebody so mature to like not hit the big red button and just wipe them out. You know what I mean? That like you've just watched so many people die, but you still have to be the, the the um, what's the word? I don't know the the bigger person and like 
take choose the, the synthesis road. option. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a really interesting thing to think about for sure. Yeah, it's kind of like you get to the end and like through all of uh, Shepard's experiences, they've kind of realized that this is something that is uh, bigger than them, bigger than their their family and friend group, bigger than humans, bigger than just our galaxy. This is careful, like, Mike. You sound like Saren. Well, <laughs> don't get me started on that. <laughs> Can't you see, Shepard? This is bigger than all of well, us. Don't get me started on how synthesis and Saren are, are completely different things, or I'll, uh, we'll be here for quite some time. So, r- real quick, I, I think that you had a headcanon within a headcanon, um, and I want to make sure that we dissect that, uh, because part of your headcanon that I heard was that it was all a test, right? That mm-hmm. the whole thing was a test, and I think that there's some evidence to support that, like like the Reaper is not attacking the crucible and basically allowing it to be carried out. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps that's some of our listeners head cannons that it was a test and that would also coincide and agree with what the catalyst tells us basically that because Shepard is the first organic to ever stand where they stand new opportunities. No, there are new possibilities. Yeah. Uh, and I think that goes for no matter what ending you pick. Uh, you could definitely make that argument that 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 is a viable headcanon no matter what ending you pick uh, because no one had united the galaxy like Shepard did before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we focused on that a little bit more. And also, like, think about how much is explained to you by the Catalyst and the Reapers. Like, everybody says, like, oh, it's just because they're arrogant and it's hubris. Like, they're machines. They don't have hubris. They, they don't care what we think. Like, it, you're, you have hints explained to you a little bit because then you have enough information to make a decision. Well, I, I would push back on that a little bit because some of the dialogue from the Reapers is, is definitely meant to intimidate. And so I don't think that they are purely machines just telling us facts. I think that they're actively trying to demoralize a population they're trying to conquer, which makes sense. Uh, but I think that's a topic for a different chat. A longer discussion. I mean, just because they're machines, self-awareness could also come with personality quirks. Who's to say that AI isn't going to also evolve emotion the same way uh, humans evolved emotion. Like it, one one theory of emotion is that emotion evolved as a as an evolutionary way of helping us survive. And anything that's self aware, anything that has some sort of um, personhood and self-awareness might actually evolve emotion, even if it comes from a machine as a mechanism of self-survival. So something like hubris might actually evolve in an AI program as a method of self-survival if it if it is evolutionarily beneficial. I'm not saying it is here, but it, you can't just say it's a machine, so therefore it wouldn't necessarily have some sort of emotional component it may actually develop that theoretically 
I'm going to push up my glasses now and look like a nerd. Um, but who knows? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a whole, again, a whole nother discussion for another time, but, uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but man, deep stuff. All of these things could be like their own episodes. We could just have an entire episode where we just like dig into this one concept and then go through all the different, you know, potential reasons why it could work or not work in the, in the stories and in the dialogue options and whatever. Um, cool stuff. Any, anybody else want to chime in or did you want to say something else? I was going to say real quick before I forget, I had one other very quick one or two sentence headcanon, which is even more important than that, which is I think that when Anderson punched Udina, uh, it was totally unplanned. In my headcanon, Anderson was just like, well, if he's there, I'm going to have to think of something. And then he made his plan and didn't. He didn't even consider that Udina might still be in his office. So he just opened the door, saw Udina, and went, oh, uh, bam, and punched him. And like, wasn't, wasn't thinking at all. Just was like, uh, and just reacted. In light of the whole Will Smith thing from yesterday, that scene is completely different now. Keep my ship out your fucking docking bay. Oh my god. Wow. Okay. This is could rabbit trail very dangerously. Um, interesting point. Who wants to go next? Apollo. Okay, so my headcanon might not be as deep thought interesting as these, but it's more of a what I imagine to be a super, super secret post-game cutscene that you could only get if you romance one certain character and maybe you had to do everything in the whole game in a certain order just to get this. Udina? That would be... Yes, absolutely. Oh, my a, God. A, a new Dina sex scene. Oh, my no. God. No. Oof. Absolutely not. So my headcanon takes place on Rannoch. It takes place in the little on that little cliff where Tali and Shepard sit and talk after they've killed the Reaper there. And Tali talks about claiming this land and how she imagines, you know, how she imagines her house being here and all this and all that. So... My head cannon is a super secret cutscene that takes place like three or four years after Mass Effect Three. So you see Tali walking with a little kid, walking with the walking with a little kid, going inside her house, and we go into the house, of course. And it's my head cannon, so we find out that she has uh, she has a little baby shepherd that she has, of course, named Shep. Well, she can she can name him Shepherd. And she's wait, 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 wait. Does she take okay. Shepard's last name? Because then his name would be Shepard Shepard. Nah. Nah. Because that would be really funny. Shepard no, Shepard? She called him Shepard. Okay. So so she goes, she puts baby, she puts little Shepard to bed, and then she goes in her room, she sits in the bed, and you look at her nightstand, and we see that picture that Tali gave, that Tali gives Shepard in Mass Effect 3, and then you go to Tali, and you just hear her, like, sweetly say, like, Shepard, I miss you. God, I miss you so much, Shepard. I wish you were still here. And then it pans back to the little picture, and then it lights up a little bit more, and you see it's a picture of her and Shepard, and that's where my cutscene ends. Oh, Turbo. You gotta make me cry, Apollo. That's not cool. Um, <laughs> wouldn't technically it be fine to name this kid Shepard because it wouldn't be Shepard Voss, whatever ship they lived on? Because don't they go by the she's she's Tally Voss Normandy, so wouldn't they be like Shepard Voss Normandy? Okay, wouldn't it be fine then because you don't take they don't I, I don't think 
do they take the names of their spouse? I don't know about marriage for Koreans. I don't remember them ever saying anything about it. But don't they just take the name of the ship? I believe uh, Turians have, or not Turians, Koreans have multiple names. And uh, just the ending is referencing where they're from. So okay. I think in Apollo's uh, headcanon, then the shepherd, the Korean shepherd uh, name would be Shepherd Ross Ranak. Right, I would, um, yeah, but no, I, I'm 100 backing him. I, I, I'll give it 11 out of 10. I will gladly back his head cannon. Oh, I, was, I just thought Shepherd Shepherd was funny, but uh, Dathan Chat says his first name is Commander. <laughs> Question for Apollo: If in your head cannon, uh, with the Corians being able to live on Rannock again, is are do they still partake in pilgrimages? In my head canon, so my head canon is of course synthesis. I don't think they need to anymore. The Geth of our lives, the Geth that helped them completely re- rebuild Rannick, and they're living happily ever after until Mass Effect Four comes out and probably turns everything on its head. But no, they're good. Wait, so a Korean human hybrid? Yes, it's a miracle baby. It's a miracle baby. Miracle baby. Is it like? biologically able to exist in both environments yes whoa yes this is a miracle baby possibly in my head canon what mass effect 4 would be built around so it's it it's like the chosen one or something well humans can survive on rannick yeah okay Right, but it's been established that Dextro and Amino can't have children together. So that's that's why it's a miracle baby. It's like, yeah, yeah. There's there's a uh, lot of biological weirdness there. I have a little extra headcanon for why Tally Tally and Shepard or Shepard and Garrison have kids. It's because when Shepard died and brought back, He's technically reborn, so uh, maybe whatever do- was done to him kind of changed him just a little bit, just enough. Mm. Mm, okay. So that's why they can have kids. Ah, maybe they had to. And spe- like- especially with Tali and Shepard, because the, the, with the Geth being into the suits, couldn't the Geth kind of help the baby get along? Maybe. Maybe. I can't. Just to, just to help the baby be born. Sure. Or like using frog DNA in Jurassic Park. Maybe they used Corian DNA to bring Shepard back. That's a real stretch. I mean, we don't do we don't really know all the uh, Reaper tech that's in Shepard, so who knows what's going on inside Shepard? That's true. Or do we know everything? I don't know. I don't know either. Well, that's a real cute ending, though. That's real sweet. That's, is it is it a little a little boy shepherd or a little girl shepherd? It's a little boy shepherd. Yeah, that way you can, it's a little boy shepherd in your, in your head cannon. Yeah, oh, that's very it's very cute. How old is he? Like four? Yeah, we'll go three or four. Three or four. Yeah, old enough to walk. Old enough to walk with Tolly back yeah. into the house, but not old enough to like go do things on their own. Cute on his voice. own. Yeah, yeah. That's cute. Da, na, 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 na. Yeah, I got it. Cool man. I like it. All right. Who wants to go next? We've got two left, Cloudy and Psych. You want to paper, rock, scissors it? No? 
I could just go. <laughs> just go for it. Are Do we going to gloss over the fact that Tom keeps saying paper, rock, scissors? Yeah, I wanted to. Are we all that. are we all just going to gloss rock, right paper, scissors? It's rock, rock, paper, scissors? It's rock, paper, scissors. It's the same thing. No, <laughs> paper, Wait, rock, are you scissors. Being facetious, Tom. Rock, paper, scissors. Paper, rock, scissors. You're, I don't know. You're alphabetizing them though. Why? Paper, rock, <laughs> I don't know why I say it that way. This is really weird. Why am I weird? Am I broken? <laughs> paper, rock, scissors. Rock, rock paper, scissors. Paper, rock, All It flows better. Rock, paper, scissors is harder to say than paper, rock, scissors because the paper and no. rock flow right together. I've, I've made it more efficient. I've improved the word order. According to Tom. Paper, rock, scissors. Pa- rock, paper, rock, scissors. Paper, scissors. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors is so harder to what, say. You go... But then your hand movements are not as easy. That's why it's rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. You don't have to go. Th- you just do. And then you. No. Yeah. You don't actually go yeah. through the motions. What planet are you guys what's from? Your, what's your head can? We live in Mass Effect universe. Where do you said. do that? You don't go through. I think we really need to get to the bottom and of then what is throw, exactly the right just, way to do one of the it. most famously regional games in human history. Okay, so Rochambeau <laughs> is another name for it, right? What's the bow? I'm so glad I brought this up. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about this later. Cloudy, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> we'll debate this on the Discord. <laughs> We'll rock, paper, scissors it later, guys. Paper, rock, scissors. Um, Go ahead. No. <laughs> okay, so my head kitten's like pretty short. Um, there's one point where Joker's flying the ship in. I can't remember precisely when it is, but uh, he says the only way they'll detect us is if we start singing the Russian national anthem. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, I didn't get the joke. Apparently, it's from a movie called The Hunt for Red October, which I have not seen. Uh-huh. Um, submarines, Which yeah. is an old movie. It's Even old- I haven't seen it. And like it's it's 2022 um so i was like why is joker watching really really old movies so my headcanon was that because of his um i forget the technical term brainos no but brittle bone disease i forget what it is I forget the name of the disease either way from all of his injuries from like childhood he just spent a lot of time like bedridden just watching old movies which is how he's able to make these like very silly references because i think he makes an alien reference at one point even uh so he makes like a lot of old references so my headcanon is just like he mostly sat at home watching like ye old or modern netflix i guess <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. that's that's interesting okay so like he's a movie buff because that's just what he does is uh so shane in do? chat says Vrolic syndrome is that it or boren syndrome. syndrome that's it jared says board boren syndrome Brittlebone. Brittlebone. Rolick. I think it's Rolick. Rolick. This might be why he looks exactly like the guy from Austin Powers. <laughs> he wanted Which, to look exactly like him. Yeah, he loves those movies so much. They gross over a billion dollars. Joker does have the personality where he would absolutely be like college sophomore movie guy whose uh, dorm room is just covered in, like, Fight Club posters and things like that. I totally see it, especially because it's like, how would Joker know about the robot dance and know yeah. that that is a reference that to make fun of Legion, you do the robot dance? Like, that dance has a bit big since, like, the 80s, the 1980s. So, like, that would be a long time later for him. 
He watched The Breakfast Club. That's the explanation. That's a headcanon. <laughs> okay, but but do you think that Joker's a big fan of um, Fleet and Flotilla? Yes. Probably. <laughs> Star-crossed lovers, why not? Has everybody seen the Fleet and Flotilla trailer that somebody made? This is the first I've heard about that, so I have not. It's one of Googling it. Uh Just go to YouTube and look up Fleet and Flotilla trailer. It's one of the most incredible pieces of fan art I've ever seen in my life. So there's a lot of debate on the internet about the order of paper, rock, scissors. (laughs) I just Googled it. It seems that a lot of people debate it. And some people, okay, this is really weird. Get this. Some people say, um, uh, where's the other one? Uh, scissors, paper, rock, which is just totally wrong. That is totally wrong. I will interject with one more thing and then I'm going to drop it. It is actually a tactical experience that if you in your region you've always grown up with it being rock paper scissors rock paper scissors then if you know that that's what your friend's gonna say if you switch it up whatever you switch it up to that's the symbol that they're gonna pick because it was out of order for them in your brain if you're used to rock Mm. paper scissors and then i start with scissors they're gonna pick scissors because they're like that was out of order so i know go to go rock every time Genesis is the type of person to go count the cards at a blackjack table. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have never done illegal activities in Vegas. I did not count those cards. (laughs) Jen cheats at Quasar, new headcanon. She's cheating at Quasar. (laughs) All right. Anybody else want to chime in about, um, about Cloudy Atlas's? Any other thoughts on this one? All right. Thanks, Cloudy. Last one up. Psych. All right. How do I sound? You sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So this one's going to be kind of a hot take, I'm sure. Um, But my headcanon is that the Reapers are not a true AI. Um that they are at best a highly sophisticated virtual intelligence that is running a program over and over and over. Uh, And I back this up with that um, the Geth who are also an AI or who are an AI, they split, they have a decision and they fracture. We do not have that with the Reapers. There's too much cohesion between all of them and anything that is a genuine intelligence will have natural division will not be as united that's your that's interesting i'd like to play devil's advocate absolutely Uh, so as we know we there are reaper corpses around the galaxy that are not even from the cycle uh that were you know killed Uh before the cycle of course, I think it's easy for us to it. It's easy for us to be led to believe that whatever alien species was in the previous cycle was successful in bringing down one. But what if there were fractures within the Reapers? And what if one of one of the Reapers or several of the Reapers 
had said, no, I don't think that we should harvest this race or we should not carry through with this anymore. This, you know, this cycle has proven that our conclusion is, is, is flawed. Or we're like rampant shoplifters (laughs) and the penalty was death. (laughs) Right. And, and what if the reapers killed the other reaper then? What if it was a minority group and they responded by saying, well, you're threatening the protocol. Right. Like get out of my grocery store. Stop shoplifting grapes. No, um, no, that is that is a great counterpoint because the only corpses we get are we we know what killed them. Um, the one that the Batarians um, get that was killed by the Leviathans. The one that Shepard goes to and two that was hit by a mass accelerator weapon. Um, I feel like there's a third somewhere, but I'm forgetting it. But anyway, so it is entirely possible that there actually are fractures and then those minorities get obliterated. And then everyone figures out that either we get on board and stay silent or we die. So it's possible. So the Reapers are a fascist regime. I I mean, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm gonna, death, I'm gonna, I mean, death to the other. That would, that would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak for the dumb listeners of the Mass Effect lore cast. Explain to me again, Psych eighty eight. You're saying that the Reapers are not a true AI because there, there are factions within. Them? I'm, I'm sorry. Because there's no, not factions the within following. them. Because, because yeah. they are too united. That anytime you actually have oh. real intelligence, they are going to splinter. Like humanity has real intelligence because we have a lot of diversity of thought. So debatable, but okay. You're well, yeah. So you always have some people who side more one way or another on an issue. It's very hard to get all of humanity united behind one idea. It's very hard to get any group of people, regardless of the size and number of them united behind one idea. We have diversity of thought, right? Um, The geth fracture is what he's saying. They, they don't even unite around one idea. They have diversity of thought, but the Reapers mm. seem to unite around one idea and stay united for very long periods of time. If they were a true intelligence, self-aware artificial intelligence, then there would be diversity of ideas. They wouldn't stay united over such long periods of time, but it seems like they do. This is, is his theory. So therefore they must be an artificial program. They must not truly be intelligent and self-aware the same way that say the geth or or biological intelligences are but do we do, i mean i maybe i need to re-listen to the reaper episode of the lore cast but do we know how many reapers there are because if you have a small enough group of things it's possible to get a hundred percent consensus there you know what i mean but can you get that consensus for centuries mm, like how been... hard is it to get five people to agree to go to the same place for dinner Mm-hmm. It takes a little that makes while, sense. right? How hard is it to get two dozen people to agree to go to the same place for dinner? Right? And that's just choosing where to go for dinner. That's not choosing the fate of the universe. That's true. <laughs> like, it's an interesting idea. I think I think you got a, a cool idea here, Psych. Any other thoughts on this one? Yeah, some people say rock, paper, scissors, others don't. A fracture, Captain Lyle says in chat. <laughs> was was that the last headcanon? 
<laughs> yeah, that's the last one. Um, I actually, uh, I have a, I have a few head cannons that I wanted to run through real quick uh, okay. since we're at the end of the show, and I, I like to save mine for the end. Um, but number one, I think Admiral Hackett is Shepard's dad. Uh, and I think the reason being is because even with space, so with spacer background, that this is what I'm assuming since it's my headcanon, uh, with spacer background, we meet Shepard's mom, Hannah Shepard. We don't, we don't even hear anything about Shepard's dad. Uh, but it would make a lot of sense if a married, uh, admiral who had an affair with a junior officer and an illegitimate child had to pass off the child to someone else to raise because some people may not know, but if you have an illegitimate child in the military with a, you know, a junior officer, someone under your command and B you're already married, that is very taboo. (laughs) And you're, if you're you're an officer in the military, you may get stripped of rank or demoted or, you know, go without pay. Any number of punitive things might happen to you because it is behavior unbecoming of an officer, especially if you're in such a high officer role that you are now a political figure as well. Uh, So I think that it's quite possible that Admiral Hackett had a child with Shepard's mom, which was Shepard. And as a favor, Admiral Anderson said that Anderson would look after the child. Interesting. Because too, too close of interaction between Hackett and, and the child who then becomes uh, a service member would, would raise a lot of red flags and people would probably start poking where they shouldn't. Because um, Hackett poked where he shouldn't. <laughs> Good night, everybody. And that's <laughs> and the we'll show. We'll be back next week. Um, I, I have a few, a few more short ones. Uh, we talked about it in the League of One episode. Headcanon. My official headcanon now is the thirteenth League of One member became the first Shadow Broker in the uh, in the Mass Effect universe. Uh, I think Javik should have been the catalyst. Javik himself should have been the catalyst sacrificing himself to activate the crucible. Uh, that's another one. And last but not least, since we know all the shady stuff that Cerberus gets into, I think it's quite possible that Cerberus helped meddle in the 2016 presidential election. <laughs> you go back in time. Like they go back in time. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I do think that Cerberus would be interested in going back in time to alter events. Or the origins of Cerberus are QAnon. Holy shit! Yeah, oh that's God! Close. Oh no! Oh oh oh! Let's man. ask uh, the elusive man about PizzaGate. What if Q is the elusive man? Since time travel is possible. Oh man! Oof. Good night, everybody. <laughs> those are some good ones. Anybody have any thoughts on those before we go? Jen? I I do. Um, when I was researching and kind of looking for additional headcanon ideas, I saw one that was, uh, what if Admiral Hackett and Zaid Masani are brothers? And then I would like, that would make Zaid your uncle in the scenario. And I'm like... But then Saeed calls me really, really good looking. And I'm like, hmm, then you're my uncle. So let's not go with that one. Um, And that's also, mm, 
Okay. <laughs> I like the idea of Hackett being a possibility for the father, but with being able to customize your shepherd completely, that doesn't always fit. I know exactly where you're going with this, Genesis, but guess what? Admiral Hackett's got weak genes. All of Shepard's genes mm-hmm. come from Hannah Shepard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, I look a lot more like my mom. People look at my dad and they're, you know, they're like, how does this work? Like, it's hard to hard to know. Uh, Pedro in chat says, I always thought Anderson was Shepard's dad. I mean, Datterson is good. I mean, Datterson, Datterson's good dad. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been super fun. I think we're at the end of the show. Thank you for joining us again. These are always so much fun. <laughs> Hackett had weak denim. <laughs> Tath and chat. Um, why don't we go back through and feel free to share any cool things you're working on or doing and ways people can reach out to you if you'd like to share that as well. We'll just go back through the list. Genesis, what do you got going on? I am on the Robots Radio Discord as Genesis, and you can also find me as the co-host of the Two Girls, One Ship podcast, where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. We are currently covering Mass Effect 2 characters, so come join us. Awesome. Yeah, good listen. It's an awesome show. You guys should go check Thank it out. You. And it's part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. So awesome. Thanks for joining us again. And Mighty Talos, thanks for being here, buddy. You got anything you want to share? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not really re- related to the podcast, but I'm currently writing a book. And uh, yeah, that's it. You can reach me on uh, Discord if you want to talk about uh, anything. And uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. What's, have, the, what's the book about? Night. What's the, what, uh, you, can you give us any details? It's a long story. Okay. I, I won't talk it here, but uh, I could write in the Discord because okay. it would take a, a, a lot of time. But okay, well, yeah, yeah sh- share whatever you would like to share with us. I'm sure we'd love to find out more. That's awesome. Yep. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Cloudy Atlas? I sound so lazy in comparison to everybody. They're like, yeah, I have a podcast. And I'm like, well, I doodle. They're on Twitter at Cloudy Atlas 22. And if you like Mass Effect art, I post them there. No, that's so. great. That's great. I, I I love people who who do like visual art stuff because I can move things around in Photoshop. That's about the extent of my physical art ability. Um, because I, I just I love that. So that's awesome. So don't don't feel lazy. That's that's a a very good skill. Um, and thank you for joining us. Yeah. All right, Meiji moves. Yeah, my name is Meiji Moose. I do stuff on Twitch and on YouTube and stuff. Twitch.tv slash Meiji Moose. Go to YouTube, look up Meiji Moose. Twitter.com slash Meiji Moose, where I posted the greatest video in the history of the internet. I am not kidding. Go to uh, at Meiji Moose on Twitter and uh, watch the first video on the, on, the, on the feed. It's fantastic. And uh, thank you so much for having me. I love all of you so much. Awesome. Well, thanks. We'll have to go check that out. Apollo. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. I'm Apollo on the Discord. Um, I don't have anything major going on. I'm super psyched and super happy, though, because my PS5 finally came back repaired yesterday. Woohoo! So my baby's home. That sounds awesome. I'm so happy for you. Well, thanks. Thanks, thanks for joining us again. Enjoy some video games. And Mike, 
Uh, I'm Mike Bassick, and I use my real name on the internet, so you can find me there. Uh, I don't have anything to plug other than, uh, well, if you haven't listened to the Music of Mass Effect episode on, on this very podcast, go listen to it, and then send me messages on the platform of your choice about how smart I am and how uh, great of a teacher I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I will plug something that I have absolutely no affiliation with whatsoever. If you like Mass Effect headcanons, I know that there is a Tumblr that's dedicated entirely to Mass Effect headcanons. And if you uh, can't sleep and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, that's a great place to spend some time. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a good thing to do when you're just like, you know, rolling around in bed going, oh, I can't sleep. Great suggestion. Turbo Toboggan. Thanks for being here, buddy. Uh, I don't really have anything anymore because uh, at least until uh, Cyberpunk comes back on and this. So I'm on the Discord sometimes. I'm under Turbo Toboggan. So that's about it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And Psych. Uh, yes, I've got the Mass Effect Blue Shift tabletop podcast. Um, new episodes should be dropping soon. Um, we're, work- we're, re- we're reworking some things. Cool. And uh, you guys can find me on the Discord at Psych88. Awesome. Go check it out, everybody. Thanks for being here, Psych. Thank you. And Sam, you got anything else you want to share before we head out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just streamed Mass Effect today. It was my second stream, second Mass Effect stream of the week. Uh, but I am streaming every Saturday, Monday, and Thursday uh, on Twitch at In Seven The Legend. I'm streaming Mass Effect as well as a few other games. Uh, so yeah, give me a follow there. We can hang out in those uh, in those channels. And if you want to follow me on Twitch, I normally post my uh, or on Twitter. I normally post my Twitch notifications there as well when I'm going live. And that's the same handle at in seven, the legend. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Go check out his stuff. He's always got some fun streams and I stream on Twitch and on YouTube and on Facebook under robots radio. You can also follow me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. And that robots radio is also the channel where you can watch us live on Monday nights. So you can come join us for these podcasts and any of the other podcasts I do. All of my stuff is also on robotsradio.net along with all of the shows on the network, including the rocket club shows, which have been mentioned also by some of our patrons and, and things. And, um, I've also be, been streaming during the days. Sometimes I've been playing uh, tiny Tina's wonderlands, which is a, it's just a freaking treat. That game is so good. So many D and D jokes and tiny, tiny, tiny is just hilarious. I don't know if you guys are into the borderlands games, but man, she's hilarious. All these borderlands jokes. Anyway, lots of fun stuff. Always fun things to check out. Lots of great shows. So come hang out with us on the robots radio discord, check out all the different shows and we will be back uh, next week, Monday night. And that's what we got going on. So until next time, you know, just roll with your head cannon because we can't tell you what's wrong. It's headcanon. Believe whatever you want. We'll see you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.